0: Growing up, I wouldn't say I faced too many challenges, but definitely an intense focus on athletics kind of molded who I am, right? Like, I don't feel that I have uh, a strong purpose or direction in my life unless I'm focused on an athletic task.
1: You know, working in a warehouse all the time and being a creator, it's like, as a creator, our biggest asset is not the cameras. Yeah. It's our mind. It's your mind, right. yeah. and when you're constantly surrounding yourself with all things that don't make you happy, it's so hard to create the things you want to create. It's,
2: it's everybody's biggest asset. So we're live. Another episode of Adversity Kings. We have special guest today. Introduce yourselves.
1: My name is Angelo Mar.
2: Angelo Mar. Tyler Jones. Tyler Jones. Okay, awesome. So Tyler, you are in pursuit of professional fighting career. Right. right and still you have your pro card yet or uh no
0: no not yet okay. this is gonna be my last amateur fight
2: last amateur fight so how many amateur fights
0: uh, i've had six i'm four and two right four now. four two yeah. okay and then how were the finishes finishes uh two submissions and then um two decisions yeah what were the submissions triangle and armbar okay yeah, yeah sweet what's your go-to um triangle is something that i play a lot for sure yeah um yeah, I like to, my My fighting style is mainly, like, in grappling, it's mainly to be on top and just pressure the crap out of somebody and, yeah. and make them give me something. But in that fight in particular, I was in some trouble against a good wrestler and, yeah. and found a triangle. So That's
2: like uh, watching the uh, the grappling last night, the jiu-jitsu last night, if you saw right, it, Dan, yeah. I, mean, I don't know, uh, the jiu-jitsu giant. Yeah, 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 the purple belt. Yeah, yeah, or you do, like, the bitch chokes. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm talking I lo- I like doing that, just Dude. especially being, like, a, like a, I, I guess, uh, fresher in jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. where I don't have a lot of like, I'm good at positioning right now, but I don't find myself being good at like immediately seeing submissions. And if I do, I probably really like show that I'm looking right. for that. Like if I'm looking for an arm bar, you you're probably going to know like two minutes yeah. in advance. So uh, if I do get top mount, I'm always looking to just pressure. Cho- like, I've gotten uh, probably two or three pressure tabs. Yeah. And, uh, but the way the the announcer must've, I don't, I don't know if he just didn't know like what the fuck he was talking about, but he was like, I think he got him in a, like a,
0: Rear neck crank, and I was like, "A rear
2: neck crank." I was like, "What, dude? That doesn't?" I was like, "It doesn't look like a rear yeah. neck crank. He was just pressuring."
0: One of the guys that was commentating, Brandon McCathren, is a he's a 10th Planet guy, and he's like sick on YouTube. He's got yeah. so much good stuff, and he's got something called a punch choke yeah. from uh, from Mount, and it's real nasty. And like everyone thinks it's like a crank, but it's he uses like what he calls like the cat paw, yeah, which is like the outside part of his hand, and he shoves it in, and it's like all blood. Yeah. And I've showed it in class a couple of times, and it's, like, real legit, dude. It's quick. Yeah. But, yeah, I just like to... Is it
2: kind of like a guillotine? choke where you a put little that, bit. that fist in? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's like that, except he, like, um he puts this in the side, and then the shoulder he uses almost like he's finishing a Von Flu. Okay. So you're getting both sides cut off, and you just run out of air real quick, run yeah. out of blood, too.
2: Yeah, yeah that, that is good stuff. Fun.
1: So how the two of you meet? Well, we met through pretty much I shot his one of his main events. Yeah. Joe's live, and... I'm a good friends so with his girlfriend, so we just met up. And yeah. We've just been working together ever since.
0: How long have you guys been working together then? About a year and a half like, now, yeah, right? Yeah. Half, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. So,
2: and you guys have put a, together a, a lot of stuff. I see you guys have like a pretty good campaign and a lot of content you guys have put together. Yeah. yeah we're
1: actually working on a documentary as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of one of the reasons we wanted to get together as quickly as we uh, as we are and put this together to kind of put into the documentary, I assume, in mm-hmm. some some shape or form. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what about your stories? Let's start with, you know, like, where were you born and raised? What kind of influenced you to get into fighting and all that?
0: Yeah. So born and raised in Schiller Park, Illinois, so right by O'Hare Airport. Um, you know, always, always placed importance on athletics in my life. Grew up playing baseball, basketball. Uh, anything, I, anything I could do, I would yeah. try. I would give it a shot. Um, and then when I was in middle school, my brother was really into the Ultimate Fighter. My brother's quite a bit older than me, five or six years. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And he had, we were, like, big WWE guys when we were growing yeah. up, right? WWF back then. And uh, he had said, dude, you should watch this. I think you'll like it. The Ultimate Fighter 1, Season 1. And I started getting into it, getting into the stories, and then the finale was Stefan Bonner and Forrest Griffin, and they just yeah. fucking went to town on each other for three rounds. And I remember watching that at, whatever, 11 or 12 years old, yeah. I'm like, man, that's what o- I'm going to do Was that when no I holds up. bar? No, it was, like, one of their... Where like anything goes? No, it no? was still there. Was still same rules as today, oh, but okay. it, was it was like their first like big what, show, big break. Was,
2: I think there was like no whole bar matches prior to those matches. Yeah, where they could like punch each other in the nuts.
0: Yeah, like UFC like one through like ten, I think, were pretty, <laughs> pretty yeah. open ended. Like you yeah, could do whatever like, you want. You
2: could do whatever. Like and I I was uh, when I had when I was telling you I had Jeff Sarafin on, and he was talking about like no whole bar matches he participated in and like like even like similar jujitsu matches where it's like early day jujitsu yeah they're like what like it's just whatever makes you tap
0: right Valley tudo is what they called it back then yeah where it's just like i think Valley tudo means like anything goes in yeah portuguese or i'm talking out of my ass One, no i would, i might be i might be <laughs> um but yeah what well, i started watching that and, and i knew that's what i wanted to do um so from then on i just kind of Committed my life yeah. to be a martial artist. I started wrestling in high school, ended up wrestling in college. Took some time in between college and in the last, I only started training jujitsu and fighting three years ago. Oh wow! So I wrestled, took a break, and then started training. Yeah, and then from there, I've just kind of hit the ground running, and and now we're. We're here about to make our LFA debut next month. How
2: beneficial is it to have that wrestling background?
0: It's huge, man. It's huge. And especially for me, I feel like I'm almost like a special case scenario because I knew I wanted to get into fighting before I started wrestling. Like a lot of these guys started wrestling all through childhood and then got into fighting. Yeah. But I knew I wanted to fight and do jujitsu already. So I based what I wanted to like focus on in wrestling around what would work. In MMA, that's like Bo Nickel, right? So I'm from uh, Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. And I
2: wrestled a year or two out there. My like eighth grade year, I remember wrestling out there. And wrestling in Western Pennsylvania is insane. And mm-hmm. then some guys will go wrestle at Penn State, but I, re- I remember watching, you know, Bo Nickel go all the way through Penn State. Was he a four time or, at least uh, he had been a two time national? Uh,
0: yeah, two times at least. At least now, he might times. have been all four.
2: But he's he's transitioned. I think he's in the UFC. Yeah, he
0: so he won his contender series yeah. fights. And the first fight he had was against the guy who was, I'm sure he was good, you know, they put him on there for a reason, Um, but he he dealt with the guy real quick. And then the second guy they had him fight was a cage fury champion and like had a real big record, like a legit dude. And Bo dropped him in the first 10 seconds and then got him in a triangle. From mount and then pulled guard with it and finished it like within a minute. Wow. Like he's, he's so much better than anyone they're gonna throw him up against right now. It's I, like, I
2: think wrestling is like an automatic, a, a sufficient wrestler is like an automatic blue belt. You know yeah. What I mean? like, oh, yeah,
0: yeah, for sure, for sure. But yeah. then like sometimes, you know, especially in, it's funny in the gi, like you'll go against a guy who has pure wrestling, it's like his first week there, and yeah. they're like, they're almost like lost. You know what yeah, I mean? Oh, yeah. The gi really helps like slow things down. The but gi that really pressure, does. man, that pressure helps. It, it gets you a head start yeah. for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So growing up,
2: was there any like challenges or adversities that kind of molded you into the person you are today?
0: I don't know. Growing up, I wouldn't say I faced too many challenges, but definitely a, a, an intense focus on athletics kind of molded who I am. Yeah. Right? Like I don't feel that I have uh, a strong purpose or direction in my life unless I'm focused on. On an athletic task. Like I've placed so much importance on athletics over the course of my life that now it feels a necessity. Yeah. Um, You know, and and I think in terms of adversity, it was uh, the, the time that I really switched was in between getting done with wrestling and starting fighting. There was there was about a year and a half there where I was in college and which I would say probably the hardest time Identity of my life. Identity searching, because you right. don't have a
2: physical Exactly,
0: and outlet. You, you don't really hear people say like, oh, I was in college, that was the hardest time of my life. Usually that's like the most fun part of your life, yeah. right? But in reality, I was just drinking, unhappy, yeah. and, and really no, no compass of where I wanted to go. And I started like dabbling in martial arts a little bit, tore my knee up, had surgery, and I was stuck in a cast for like over a month. What'd it was you do to the knee? I don't even know dude so I had a bunch of like um, like bursitis and stuff like the sacs yeah. that fill up in your knee they were all like deflated and damaged and then I got staff in the knee as well inside inside the knee so they my knee was like a balloon dude yeah so they just opened it up they took everything out I don't have any like more bursaps in my knee. so there's just like bone on bone in there yeah and um, but I remember like being stuck in the brace and thinking if i'm gonna fight or if i'm gonna do anything with this the time is now like once yeah. i get this off i have to move forward and go yeah and since then that that's been that's been kind of my direction in life is hit the pavement running
2: yeah absolutely what about you anglo born raised what was childhood like
1: uh i was born in park forest illinois um i grew up just like any other kid like i wanted to be a, i wanted to great stories. Yeah, I always wrote poetry, wrote short little stories when I was a kid growing up. But you know, growing up in a society where like that wasn't very like like that wasn't classified as a job. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. my parents said you know be a cop, be a doctor, yeah, be a you know a, a blue collar as you will. Yeah, your yeah, whole life. So growing up, you know, that's I always was told what to do. I never had a chance to be like, hey, let me just be who I wanted to be. Yeah. I wasn't accepted as that. So yeah. I think I want to say, I wanted to start creating like as photography. Yeah.
2: 2015.
1: 2015? 2015, I started doing photography, started shooting more, started working with people. And then like two years after that, 2017, I decided like I need to quit this job. Cause yeah. I was working, doing photography gigs, editing, working 60 to 70 hours a week at warehouses every day. Yeah, what kind of warehouses? Like steel mill. I did everything. Yeah. Uh, I, I worked did, at UPS in my high UPS, school years. Yeah. I have worked at UPS. I worked for Amazon. I worked for steel mill. I worked for construction, demolition.
2: Dude, there's nothing worse than loading a 53-foot trailer all day. Oh, yeah. There's nothing third, worse. Third than.
1: shift, I'm a different person. Yeah. I don't like to talk to <laughs> nobody. So, you know, you live that NPC life where you, I'm just like, when I, go to, when I used to go to work, I do this thing where I shut my brain off. Yeah. Like, I'm on autopilot the whole time. I'm thinking about, you know, creating stuff, but my body's moving and moving and moving. But yeah. soon later, that catches up to you. And, yeah. you know, you're you're bodily fatigued the whole time. And I realize, like, I have friends like, dude, are you happy? I said, nah. Yeah. I'm not happy. So I burned the ships. I said, I can't do, I can't do both That's right so now. good. So have I, you
2: read Think and Go Rich? Huh? Have you read the book Think and Go Rich? No, I have not. Oh, okay. That's a quote from the from uh Napoleon Hill, There's so there's a book back here I read, Think and Go Rich, and it's in reference to success. An individual that desires to be successful truly will never be successful until they burn the ships Mm. that that they could retreat back to. So in life, you know what I mean? You'll hear so many times. I'm guessing, so do you film mainly in the fighting niche, or do you do anything?
1: I'm mainly brand sports fitness.
2: OK, so um, you've probably seen fighters because they've they've definitely adopted that quote. You know what I mean? Like, nothing. Oh yeah. Nothing's new under the sun. You'll always you'll hear fighters like there's been there was a big one this past year. You, there's there's no tomorrow. You'll see from the uh, Rocky. is it Rocky three where where Creed's training Rocky yeah. to uh, fight. What the fuck was the other black dude's name? Um, uh, but they're training to fight and they're going nuts. Mr. T. Mis, Mr.
1: T. It was some And he's Lane. screaming at cleverly Yeah. Kris Clay is Muhammad oh, Ali. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Clever Lang, not Lang. Clever Lang, yeah. but
2: he's he's screaming at him. He's like, "There's no tomorrow. There's no tomorrow." But you'll hear fighters say like, "Burn the ships at the bay." And like, running a sales company, I mean, I probably say that every other day. You know yeah, what I, mean?
1: I think that mindset. For I mean, I don't really recommend for some people, but when you do, like, you have to lock in. Yeah. You like I tell I just tell people all the time. Like I chose to do that because I had no other choice. Yeah. Like, living both those lives, you know, working in a warehouse all the time and being a creator. It's like, as a creator, our biggest asset is not the cameras. Yeah. It's our mind. It's your mind, right, yeah. And when you're constantly surrounding yourself around things that don't make you happy, it's so hard to create the things you want to create. It's, it's
2: everybody's biggest asset. I don't even think just creators. And I, I, Honestly, I kind of disagree because I think, you know, with, with burning the ships, I think everybody does it. It's just, do, are you going to choose the ships you want to burn? Because mm-hmm. you're either going to burn the ships with your dreams on it mm-hmm. or you're going to burn the ships that are going to leave you in mediocrity right. and living a life that's saying the world, like society was telling you to live. Right. Go be a cop. Like there's ships that say college, cop, you're, you know what I mean? You can't fight. Your knee's blown yeah. out. You know what I mean? It's like you can burn no ships or you can burn your ships that say you're going to be a world champion. You're going to be the greatest you know, photographer there ever was. And it's like you, you, cho- you choose. You know what I mean? So it's like. Essentially, everybody's burning the ships. It's just which one, are you, which ones are you going to burn?
0: And that's the thing too. Like especially the fighters, you hear a lot of fighters. I know this is the way that I live my life. There is no plan B. Fuck, I no. don't fucking have a plan B because if you step in that ring with a plan B, you're gonna yeah. you're, you're gonna get your head blown off. It's very, very fucking easy to choose plan B. Oh my god, always right. Like if I got if I have work in my office job. You know i still have a full-time job i still work yeah. in an office and shit but it's a means to an end it's always yeah. right that's not my goal but if i walk into every day in practice knowing like it's okay if i don't make it as a fighter i could just work as my office no, job no, not i'm not option. gonna make it as a fighter 100 yeah. percent, bro you can't your brain's gonna easily choose the easy option yeah you know? it's not an option. no plan b there's
2: some dagestanian that's like right you know living with sheep right. you know, right. just right. wrestling bears <laughs> all day it's like no, I'm not seven in a ring. No, it's like it's like watching Gordon's fight the other day. I was like, I've been watching because I I I really don't study any other material because I'm like I'm gonna put. I barely have much time for jujitsu. I probably train in comparison to the individuals I want to be beating. I think I train Monday, Wednesday, Friday tw- twice. I want to say it is yeah, twice, and then Tuesday, Thursday I'll train once. So I'm I'm probably training seven to ten times a week. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. seven or ten hours a week when like. Really good grapplers, really good fighters. You're talking about sixty hours or something. I don't like. It's I got a gotta, job. I, yeah, it's a full-time yeah. job. I got a buddy in Bellator. His name's Dalton Ross. He's eight. No, he just won his his uh, his fight just a, a couple of days ago, and he's always he fights at uh, what's that, fight team or something down in uh, Miami uh, or uh, uh, American Top Team. Yeah, ATT. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, American Top Team. And I mean, he's like he's like it's two, three, four workouts a day. It's like he's up early. Two hour workout, two hour workout, two hour workout. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe a half hour, an hour in between. And it's like, dude, you're talking about six, eight hours of just pure training sessions, seven yeah. days a week. And I'm like, somebody out. It's like, and me myself, even though it's like I'm 99, percent 100, you know, building a business. It's like that one percent I do allocate to jujitsu. It's like, I don't, I'm not there trying to beat the white belts. I want, like, I, I'm look, I want to go to the, like the highest belt. It's like, how, yeah. how do I choke you out? You know, and it's like that's why it's like when, with watching Gordon. I watched in this past month. And I'm just thinking to myself, it's like, I don't know, dude. It's kind of giving me that Rocky vibe where, uh, was it Rocky II or something, where he makes some money and then he's living off his money. You see it with people in general. It's not just fighting, but they'll make a couple bucks, kind of like that Conor McGregor story. It's like, you go from that starving Irish kid that's just ripping heads off, making a bunch of money on yachts, getting in trouble, just start training in a bougie-ass facility, and then you get your head, you know, ripped off by a Dagestanian warrior bear. You know what I mean? And it's like, that match with Nikki Rod looked a little close. And this last month, you know, you got Hawaii, Gordon's in Hawaii mm-hmm. taking trips and bougie facilities and vlogs. And it's like, I don't know, dude. Remember, it's like, what got you to where you're you got at? got full. Yeah. yeah. Can't get full. Yeah, and yeah. it got real close. I didn't even see the that. Yeah, I saw was. the highlight of the rear neck, but I didn't know. It's like, man, I don't know. You come in, in my office and you tap, time or not, it's like, we're calling out a tap. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, Marvin Hagler's got a great quote about that. It's hard to wake up in the morning and run your miles when you're sleeping in satin sheets, Yeah, right? Like, that's that's what it is, dude. Like, if you ever get fucking complacent in anything, especially in fighting, it's so easy to just, like, let it go. That happened to me, you know? I'm coming off of two back-to-back losses, Yeah. right? Where before I was feeling, like, unbeatable, untouchable, right? And you get complacent, and you start to think, like, oh, well, I'm, there's no way they're going to put me in this position, and then yeah. all of a sudden you're in this position in a fight. Fuck, can't believe I'm here, right? You get complacent, and, and things start to slip.
2: From watching the film from those losses, what were your gaps
0: that you noticed? So in the in the first loss I took, um, I think there's a general theme around both of them of just not being mentally there for yeah. both of them. Um, and, and that's been primarily the work I've put in this this camp i would say or the things that i felt like i made the most jumps on are is my mentality um but yeah the first loss uh i just i didn't really show up to the fight until the third round and then the third round i almost finished them i think had we been in you know pro time period of of uh, the round so five minutes as opposed to three minutes i think i would have got the finish because i had him in an arm bar it was a, like spider web it was real close to being finished and time just ran out yeah um that was that fight i just lost decision that fight it was close he won the second round handedly i won the third round handedly first round was kind of up in the air he was a little more aggressive so he took it and then he ended up winning the fight so, I mean, that's how close it could be, too, yeah. especially in three minutes, dude. Amateur rounds are only three minutes. There's, you know, someone gets a control for 30 seconds. That's a huge chunk of the round. 30 seconds is a long time. Um, and then the last fight, I literally walked out there just waiting for it to be over, and, and that's how I fought. I fought, like, I just rushed everything. I just, I don't even know how to explain the, the mind state I was in. It was just kind of sheltered. Like, I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to fight. I just wanted the... Event, experience to be over. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I think uh, maybe I was a little burnt out, or maybe I just had put so much work into getting. It was my first fight at fifty five, and I think I put so much work into getting to fifty five that once yeah. I made that weight, it was like, all right. And that was that was the challenge, and it wasn't the fight. You know, what do you walk around at? Uh, like eighties, eighty five, something Damn. like that. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's a yeah.
2: drastic weight cut.
0: Yeah, it's big. It's big. I'm a big fifty fiver, but. I work with uh um, Dustin Poirier's nutritionist Eric Peña Yeah, and he is really good. He really knows his shit and he gets you down. Um Is it a lot of like no carbs? It's very low carb. It's like high protein, low carb. That's yeah. a, that's what I'm on right now. Like right now I'm at like 74 I'm waking up at so we're getting, yeah. we're getting we're getting to the nitty-gritty. The fight's on the 13th of January, so I just I like to just set markers, you know? Like yeah. I'm set benchmarks to hit by certain times. I w- I'm I already hit my first benchmark was 75 before Christmas. And now I'm going to try and get to 70 before New Year's Day. And then if I can get to 65 or like 67 the week of the fight, that's piece of cake. 13 pounds in one week is piece of cake. For real? Yeah, because like the way fight week is, is you're cutting out all the sodium, right? So you're not going to be retaining any water and your water loading. So like the first Monday and Tuesday of fight week, if you're fighting on Saturday, let's say you're drinking like two plus gallons of water and then Wednesday you're drinking like a gallon and then Thursday you're drinking a liter and you're tricking your body into thinking that it's about to get that two gallons of water still all while you've cut out all of the sodium in your diet you're not getting a gram of sodium maybe like like you know there might be some natural sodium in there somewhere I don't know I'm not a scientist but In the middle of the week you cut out sodium. So let's say Wednesday you cut out sodium. So now your body's just letting go of all the water. And by the time you get to the sauna on Thursday or Friday morning to cut weight, your body's just expelling water. And you can get out ten pounds easy. Jesus. Easy. But even the dieting, right? Like you're gonna lose you're on you're on like a heavy calorie restriction the week of. Already, right, with no sodium and like you know food doesn't taste good without sodium, Fuck so you God, don't really want to eat it anyway I'd be so mad, yeah dude. it's horrible, like ground turkey without any yeah, seasoning I had ground on turkey
2: it. yesterday <gasps> with hot sauce disgusting see that's that's salt. okay, bro yeah. that's
0: great, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but fucking without it, bro, you're like chopping up like fucking cilantro, putting it in there, seeing yeah, that that point, that you're helps eating for
1: t- you're, just eating, for you're just
0: eating from fuel, bro yeah, bro.
2: fuel, fuel for the war, yeah, right, that's nuts. So and I was what about what else you for, uh do in in regard to just preparing for fights, like recovery, different things like that. So old tubs or anything like yeah,
0: that? Yeah, yeah. I, I um I work with a strength and conditioning coach, Tyler LaRosa. He's with um MSF Performance in Glenview. And he is real good with with both recovery and and working out. So our sessions are like an hour, hour and a half long and when we kinda hit two-in-one, right? So he's stretching me out. I have a stretch plan that I do every day. And then, you know, he's doing like the Norma Tech boots with the leg compressions. He's cupping me. He's doing all that stuff. And then I work with a chiropractor as well, uh, Dr. Wallace at Cumberland Chiropractic in Norwich. Um, And he's giving me adjustments and stuff to kind of line me up. But yeah, I mean, you know, like we talked about earlier with, uh, with your guy from Bellator, when you get to that level, you're training all day, and that is your job. Like That, you know, that's your number one job. Yeah. You have time to squeeze in recovery the way it should be throughout the day and stuff. For me, I work a full-time job and I train yeah. and I teach. So like my recovery, I got a fine time for recovery, right? Yeah. Like, and that's tough, you know? And a lot of times as fighters, like especially we get close to fights, it's hard to take a day off because you're thinking to yourself, man, if I take a day off today, and my guy's in the gym, that's another day that he's got in the bag on me. Yeah. You know, so it's hard to step back and get the recovery, but recovery is one of the most important things yeah. that we can do as athletes. You know, that's that's what's really going to allow us to be have that longevity in the sport. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Now, Angela, what about for your career? Are you full-time yes. uh, videographer, film?
1: So I full-time create content, content marketing. Okay. So my mainly job is to, like, so I wanted the same thing we talked about uh, combat sports. Yeah. So right now I've been trying to work with fighters like Tyler. And it's like I try to explain to them all the time. A lot of young amateur fighters, you know, some think that these promoters, these low end local promoters are going to put them on a the spot. They, I ask them, what, what is your goal? I want to fight for the UFC. Obviously, a lot of them want to fight for the UFC. UFC does not promote fighters. They promote fights. Yeah, So mm-hmm. your job as a fighter is not, like you say, it's a full-time job. You're, also your job is to promote yourself as a brand. Yeah, Your name is a brand, and your body that you're capable of fighting, is your product. Yeah If you're not showing people how to market yourself, it's one thing to be creditable to win matches, but not to be marketable one guy w- yeah the best fighter
2: won't get paid nearly as much as the best marketed fighter right? no it won't right.
1: look at for example mcgregor yeah i wouldn't say like, i wouldn't say he's the best fighter of all times but he's marketable no. he's a money fight
2: yeah. He, yeah he
1: sells fights and that's why they, they that's why they hire him and i tell fighters all the time every time you step into the cage have the mentality is that this has to be a money fight yeah you know it's like i get you want you love fighting you enjoy it but you understand this sport is very dangerous. Yeah, you better sell yourself. You know, you're going to war with someone that you probably you don't even know and kept- and it's always a 50-50. You go in there, 50% of the chance you might not make it out. Yeah. yeah. And you want to be able to not only enjoy life, but you know, enjoy what you're doing, you know, like it, people try to compare combat sports to other sports like NFL, NBA. It's nothing like that. These guys are getting paid to play. You're not getting paid to, you, you're getting, you're getting, you're not getting paid to play. You're not playing with nobody. You're fighting. Yeah. yeah. You're, 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 so you have to put it in perspective. Like when I'm training it, when I go train, when you first starting out, you're like eight. Let's say you graduate from high school, uh, college, and you want to, you know, there's no like draft. There's no nothing. No, no USC's not drafting you up. Say hey, I want this guy, I want this guy, and this guy. You get a contract for a hundred million dollars to fight for us for the whole year. Yeah. yeah. You don't do that. You don't get, you don't have that luxury. So you invest yourself with the, with the gym that's gonna put you, in, put you in great fights, that's gonna take care of you, not treat you like cattle. A lot of these promoters, like I've been in the industry working with people, working with fighters, promoters for like three to four years now. And what I've learned is a lot of promoters, not a lot, but a good majority of them see as these fighters as cattle. You know, they're just like, man, I'm just trying to get paid. You don't care what happens to you. Some of these people don't care about these fighters. Some of these managers don't care about these fighters. I'm hearing stories that they're taking over 50% of a fighter's cut, and I'm thinking that's absurd. Now this fighter has to not only pay you, but he also has to work a full-time job and compete. That's a lot of work. Tyler just said, I don't have enough time for recovery. So as me, as a creator, my job is to help him show or give more of his brand. So then he doesn't have to work so much, so he can focus on training. So now when he steps into the UFC, he he's able to take care of himself. Mm-hmm. He's able to have the insurance. When you're a local fighter, amateur, you don't got insurance. You fuck up your arm, you're you're done. The only yeah. insurance, you guys, whatever you got. You know these promoters are not helping you for that. The manager's are not helping you. I mean the gyms, you know, they only do so much. Yeah. You know, they're catered to other fighters. So I I tell fighters all the time, you have to promote yourself. You have to. Dedicate time to like, not only just, to, just don't go to a promotion and that the the, they, they're going to take care of you. See what numbers they're doing. See how many views that they're getting per event. Because the thing is, you have to say, am I going to invest myself with this fight? Also, for example, let's say you go out of state. It's so easy for you to get ticket sales when you're in your local town, but when you go outside the state, mm-hmm. no one knows you're the bad guy. So Damn. how are you going to be able to market yourself outside the state and be able to have more eyes on you? Because you can have fans in Florida, California, Texas, Arizona, but no one knows you if you just go to a fight. Because um, I have a friend in the UFC, Dan Argetta, really great guy. I learned so much from him talking to him. He tells me, after a fighter competes, after you win the fight, guess what? Everyone forgets about you. Yeah, No one knows. They worry about the next fight. But to keep them intrigued on you is your brand and who you are. That's why social media is so important. That's why having a uh, a great Instagram profile is so important. Hiring someone to not not only capture your training, capture your prep, capture your, your fights, you know, and I get it, I, I talked to a lot of these young fighters, they don't have the, you know, the money to, to, to hire someone like me, and I get it. So I always, so what I, what I try to do is I tell other creators, if you want to work with a fighter, you want to work with promotion, don't just come in there saying, I got a camera. Because, unfortunately, some of these promotions and some of these businesses see it as a photography, as a commodity. Mm-hmm. You know, they try to compare it to, like, for, like, let's say you're a family trying to go to Payne and trying to get, like, family photos. Do you see any return investment on those? No. You just go in there and get a family photo. But for a big brand like yourself, your insurance company, if you're trying to hire someone to do marketing for you, to content creation, you're looking for a return investment you're looking to say if I hire you, I'm expecting to get a return out of this, not just for like keep it up with the Joneses you don't want to have that mentality where oh well, well Nike does this so I'm gonna do it or well, why is Nike doing this not no not no, they're not just putting content out just to put content out to stay relevant they're putting content to out the outreach to the dedicated clientele to their to to uh, um to a customer so i to the exact same thing to fighters. Like, you need to have a personality. You can't just go in there, me mugging, fighting people, win fights, and that's it. You know, there's killers out there. I've seen it. I've seen killers out there, but they don't know how to market themselves. And they always sit in there, they got over, like, 30 fights. And they're like, I still haven't got where I wanted to be because you're not giving a reason why people want to see you fight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it has to be outside the cage, not just in it, you know? You can win fights and knock heads off, but if a sponsor or a brand can't market you they're not going to want to invest their time with you because yeah. you are a product and you have to treat yourself as a million dollar brand
2: it's like that mike tyson where he was uh he was in the ring i don't know who he had just beat up but he's like he like just started to going off and he's like mm-hmm. my defense is yeah, impregnable yeah 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 you know yeah what I mean? yeah he's man, like, you got to i, I want to rip his heart out you got to oh you got to have
1: that personality
2: fucking. Like, just imagine, you know what I mean? Like, and that's that's what sell when these fighters and there's it. It usually really works when there's like a genuineness to it. When yeah. you just you just meet, like you said, like just a killer. When a killer can just communicate and portray that darkness, those demons that battle inside his or her mind, his or her heart on a daily basis, and and they can just stare you in the eye as a reporter and like you know, or like uh, like Pereira, you yeah. know what I mean? He just knocked out. You know, Izzy again. I think it was the third time. That yeah. dude's
0: too big. For he won by class. decision once, and then he's so. I twice.
1: heard he's huge. He's yeah. huge. I heard he, he's freaking. He's, they think he's built like a tree. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how he makes one eighty five, but water loading. Yeah, yeah. I think after the fight he went in at two eleven. Yeah, like two eleven. I yeah. heard two
2: twenty. I don't know, dude, but he's got like some roar or something that it's like just just this this sickness, this darkness. You know yeah. what I mean? Just these killers. When you can communicate that, dude. And uh, me and my buddy, he, he's really big in the uh, tech realm, real mm. big in regard to like VC startups and just raising a bunch of money and different things like that for startup companies. And you know, we, we talk about it all the time, and it relates to literally every industry right now. What made the billionaires and the hyper-successful individuals in this past century and, and these past times was the individuals that were able to monetize and capitalize off of the the industrial time you know what I mean just Mm. like the physical resources oil steel gas what's gonna make billionaires and trillionaires in today's world in the future will be the individuals that have the most attention like Mm. mr. Beast you guys know mr. Beast yeah this dude turned down a billion dollar deal a billion dollar offer for his YouTube channel right why you know, what I mean? you only turn down an offer when you have something better coming. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you, nobody says no because they. You know what I mean? It's like no, it's so good. I just don't want to. I don't want to take it. You keep it. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like the dude. Like th- there's projections, and I've heard from individuals, that especially watching just business things, the majority of my day, that he might be one of the first trillionaires, just based off of you know a term that Landon and I use is identity capital. It's really not. It's because a lot of times you'll hear you'll hear people say you know it's not what you know, but it's who you know. Yeah. But it, people don't realize there's another half to it. It's not just who you know, but it's who knows you. Right. I say
1: that to people all the it, time. Yeah, bro. And I had a friend you. that told me that a long time ago. He was like, you know, that saying gets kind of dry because you can say you know Kaeya West. Yeah. But the coyotes know you. Does he yeah.
2: know you? You know what I mean? It's like, do these people know you. And so, and that's really what sells. And that's what's going to, like, solidify success. And I feel like if people aren't, you don't need to be a fighter, dude. You, I mean, you fighting for your life, you know what I mean? Essentially, it's like you're in the land of the free, and you, you have an opportunity to just kind of, like like we said in the very beginning, like, you know, go and build something of yourself. But you don't need to be a fighter to go and market yourself. You should be marketing yourself and hiring somebody like like yourself uh, regardless, you know what I yeah. mean? Because okay. that's the future. If you, the future's like, when's the best time to start building for the future?
1: Not in the future. No. You right know again. what I mean? It's like right now. Yes, absolutely. Don't wait for USC to make you, to make you popular. Yes. To make you well-known. You, you should be doing that now. USC should be calling you. Yes. As soon as they can say, hey, man, this guy can sell tickets. Yes. Because at the end of the day, it's the business, you it, know? And I tell photographers, young photographers that want to get into the industry <laughs> and, you know, they want to shoot fights and stuff and shoot events and that's great. And I tell them all the time, but there's no money in that I said yeah. what you should be doing is contacting these fighters these promoters and helping them make more more money yeah facts. You know, like you know just don't be like oh I like taking photos I mean that's cool but like why do you like taking photos yeah you know when a client comes to me I don't first thing I don't, I don't ask them how many photos you want what colors you want none of that I don't care about any of that I ask why do you why are you looking for a creator who are you, like like what challenges are you having because if I, can't set, if I can't use my content to solve your problems, then I'm not doing my job as a creator. Yeah, You know, and I've learned that over the years by working with, you know, mentors, like my good friend, uh, uh, Andreas Undergar. Very great photographer, great mentor. When I started working with him, at first, all I wanted to be was an Instagram photographer. Like, I just want to be famous, a good influencer. But then he started giving me those hard questions, saying, well, why do you shoot photography? what problems are you solving with your work? Like, I will show him work and he'll literally like tell me, he'll give me like, oh, this is a great photo. He's like, well, why did you shoot it that way? Yeah. Who Who is this going to, like who, who if, you're, if you're a consumer, how is this solving my problems? Mm-hmm. And the more and more I start looking at that, so I need to start learning the psychology of my work because that's what, you know, Nike's doing. That's what Apple's doing, Toyota, you know, they're spending you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars on marketing and content creation, because nowadays you only have like 10 to 15 seconds of someone's attention. Mm. And your job is to get that person's attention and transfer that to a lead or to a sale. Yep. You know, if, you, if I don't understand that shit, they're not gonna understand that. Yep. And like, you know, a lot of startup businesses have this mentality of a consumer mentality. You know, they look at like photography sometimes and videography as a, a cost, not an investment, you know? And when you look at things as a cost, you're not looking at returns. You go to a store, you buy some clothes, that's a cost. Mm-hmm. But you go and go buy a house, that could be considered an investment. You go buy a car, that could be considered an investment. You go buy, you invest in a, you buy property, that can be an investment. You're expecting return off that. Yeah. But if you're just simply just going into it like, well, I just need a photographer. I just mm-hmm. need a videographer. I mean, I understand that's what you need, but why you need it? How can I help you? And then the same thing I tell fighters. the exact same mentality I tell artists and fighters. It's exact same thing. Fighter telling me, I want to join the UFC. I want to shoot for the UFC. But I can't go in there saying, well, I'm just a great photographer. Yeah. They don't want you to give a fuck. Yeah, you know, no, no.
2: Like,
1: Yeah, but what what can you bring to me that I can hire, like, 15 versions of you for a fraction of the cost? Yeah. You, you have to separate yourself and be like, so the same way I tell fighters, you have to be marketable. Same thing for creators. Every person. Everything that you do has to be marketable. Yeah. Because if it's marketable, it can sell. Yeah, literally. It's just how it is.
0: Yeah,
2: absolutely. Who is your favorite fighter,
0: Tyler? My favorite fighter right now, man. I there's it's hard right now to answer the question because there's so many guys out there, and yeah, that it is. I think that that is hard. The I like a lot of people's styles, right? Like if I can make one guy like a like a like a super character of everyone's yeah. styles, like pick something from each thing. Um, I think Adesanya is up there for sure. Yeah. I love watching Adesanya fight. Um, same thing, with Pereira. Pereira is really fun to watch fight as well. Um, but it, it's also fun to watch guys like like one of my favorite fighters, is Oliveira. Right? Yeah. Because I I try to model myself after. Kind of what he stands for as a fighter in that no matter where the fight goes he can finish you on yeah. his back on top on the feet whatever and the clinch he's dangerous everywhere yeah right just like anthony pettis was like one of the first guys to really like encapsulate that in, in his career like he was one of the first guys that was i'm going to be dangerous on my feet but if you take me down i'm going to submit you off my back i think that's such a dangerous combination to have in a fight right because now you have someone like man i I don't want to stand with him because I'm getting beat up, but I don't want to take him down because I don't want to get submitted. So yeah. now I'm in, like, no man's land, and that only benefits the other guy, right? So I, I would probably say my favorite fighter stylistically is is Oliveira. What about All Time? All Time? Man, Anderson Silva in his prime was was something to, something to behold for sure, man. Like, it's just not even, like, the what he put f- like forward as results but the fight iq and and some of the moments that, that he had was just off the charts and and i don't know if we'll ever see something like that again um well yeah i kind of feel like john jones yeah a little he's bit. another one man he's another one but we don't know anymore right because like the last like three or four fights that john has had it's been such like a rapid decline. Like he's winning the fights. Yeah, but that like,
2: Do- that Dominic Reyes one was. It's close. close, right? That Even the, the Tiago Santos fight. one was yeah.
0: close. And these are guys who have gone on to just get their asses kicked by dude, other dudes in Dominic the division. Dominic Reyes
2: just got annihilated. Fell like, off. Hard. That was bad. Yeah. This, it was like this four four most recent back fight. Back, right? Yeah. He got annihilated. This most recent one, he got annihilated by this dude. Yeah. Dude. Ryan Spann knocked him out with a jab. Yeah. That one, and it was it looked disgusting. Yeah. It was no good. I mean, that dude that looked disgusting. And then. Uh, uh, just these fights this past UFC 282, it was so weird, dude. I mean, you had, uh, what did you have? You had Patty. Yeah. That one was weird. Yeah. Dude, I don't know. We'll like, talk about
0: that. yeah, I think it's hard, man. I think right now what we're looking at, because there was a Bellator event that Friday. Yeah. Um, and, and Rafián Stance, who's, who's a Milwaukee guy, fought Danny Sapatello, who's a, you know, legit, and then the, champion, event, man, the fucking Italian wrestler. Guy. Yeah, right. And, um, You know, I think we're seeing a a change in the way that fights are getting judged, where back in 2015, you know, even the commentators used to say, like, oh, if he gets a takedown here, he secures the round. Yeah. And that's not the case anymore. Like, judging has kind of moved to—and I think it's a good move. We just have the wrong people doing it, but— you, it's not enough to just take someone down and control them. Now you have to do damage. Damage, right? So yeah. Sepatello was taking Stotts down, but Stotts was hitting him off his back and throwing up submissions, and Sepatello was just holding him. So the judges gave it to Stotts. Like it's yeah. the person who's working, you know. And I think, I think that's what we saw in the O'Malley fight a couple months ago, yeah. where they valued damage over control. And I do think that that's the right decision. With it's that explanation, I agree with that yeah. more. But I
2: was torn a little more bec- between because I. Well, you know, I got into fighting when it was more so takedown secure, could secure a round. So that makes more sense with you explaining it that way. And I think if it was communicated Mm -hmm. and there was clarity to the audience, it would be received better, too. Right.
0: But the Patty fight, (coughs) I don't know what the fuck they were looking at. That was crazy. I mean, I think...
2: What about the Russian guy, too?
0: Yeah, the the main event. event. Yeah, I fell asleep for
2: that, so I don't know.
0: That was hard to say. I don't know. Like, it's kind of weird. I think it's just bad judging, right? Like, the... To explain a little bit on how the judging works, right? The UFC doesn't hire judges. It's the state. The state hires the commission. The commission appoints the judges. And there's judges that are licensed and can, can go from state to state and judge yeah. wherever state they want to. But the judges are all like old boxing judges.
1: Uh, and the point
0: system is adopted from boxing. Uh, so it's a broken system from the start. And that's why yeah. it's been a problem. Like If you, you go watch UFC 62, I guarantee there's a thing about judging in there about how the judging needs to change. Like yeah. th- it's, it's been an issue all over the years. They need to change it cause it's a, it's, it's not the system for fighting, but you know, like for instance, the guy who he, he judged, um, on the Ancalia fight and the paddy fight in which both of them, I think he got wrong. Right. He also judged Sapatello and Stotts and Stotts pretty clearly won the fight. Yeah. He gave all three rounds to Sapatello but then flew 10 hours to the other event on Saturday to yeah. judge it again and fucked up two more decisions, you know? But like, I think that main event that you, that you were talking about on Goliath and and Blahovitz, is a, is a good example of how the system's broken. How the fuck do you have a draw in an uneven amount of rounds? There's five rounds. How is it a draw? Yeah. One person won each round. Uh, yeah. How is that possible? You know what I mean? So there's something that needs to change. There's a place uh, on Instagram, they're called Verdict. Okay. And it's like a cumulative community scoring of the fights. Yep. And who, that's what the that's what it should be. It should be a group of people who are appointed by the commission watching the fight. Everyone votes. Like jury duty? Yeah. A little bit like jury duty, except with like retired fighters or coaches. I think it would need to be retired fighters. Yeah, retired fighters. You had to have someone. Like the yeah. people in there now. If it's the
2: boys, it might be might yeah, sway to like
0: <laughs> whoever's mad every time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think I think you got to get black belts in there. You got to get retired kickboxers and yeah. fighters in there. Like, get people who know what the fuck they're looking at yeah. to judge it, right? Because you talked about it a little bit. Fighting is not. <laughs> you go in there with a lot to lose, way more. Even if you're making, yeah, I've bank, heard it a few man. times. You're not playing. No, even it's if you're a making play. bank, like some of these guys are making 500k to step in there. You could lose a lot more than money when you get in there and yeah. you have a bad performance, right? Oh my God, yeah. Especially like. These judges are taking, you know, the way the UFC pay structure work is show and win bonus. Right. So if this fucking guy who's 82 years old, who doesn't even know what he's watching, is taking away half of my money because he shouldn't have the job that he has. Yeah. That's fucked up. Yeah. You know, it should be in the hands of experts, not in the hands of people who don't know what they're doing. It almost seems like on the amateur side, we get a better look at good judging because it's people who really enjoy the sport and really love to be there it's not so political right it's it's the guy i know a guy who uh one of the judges he's he's a really good guy you know and he loves the sport he's trained he's trained forever and he knows what he's looking at but these guys in the ufc level in vegas in new york they're elected officials and they're not giving up that they're not giving up that spot they're getting paid to watch fights they don't they don't give a shit absolutely you know so it's yeah it's a weird it's a That's weird a issue
1: way to put it again pay the watch fight not judge it yes <laughs> so exactly not judging, exactly bro Hell yeah yeah
2: UFC 283 biggest fight I'm looking at on here is you got Arrow and Moreno yeah. again now they've gone three one one and one right. so they've one's lost one one's won one and draw, and then one draw how do you
0: think this turns out Man, it's a tough fight, right? Especially when, when, and and we see it a lot in training, right? Like you train, you could probably relate to this. Like you drill with someone enough, you go live with someone enough, they know your shit. Yeah. Right? Everyone who trains with me at Intercept knows I'm going for X, Y, and Z, and I can't get that stuff anymore, you know? So it's going to be interesting in this fight. And we've never seen in the UFC someone someone fight four times. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see either what new things they're bringing to the table for this fight yeah. or what things just don't work anymore. Because if you watch those fight back, they're pretty, like, Moreno's victory was clear as day. Like, he oh beat the brakes off of him the second yeah. time they fought. And the Figueredo one, I think, was pretty close when yeah, he won. Yeah, it was close. Um, so it's, and then the last fight was super fucking close, too. So it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting, man. I'm excited about that. And then they added the, another title fight on that card, too, right?
2: I think it's Glover- to, I can't, I
0: can't, yeah, Glover, name? Teixeira, and uh, Jamal, Hill. Jamal Hill. That's another good fight. Glover's just, uh, I think Glover's going to take him down and submit him. though. Yeah,
2: I think that, that looks like he's going to destroy him. So what are you guys, I want to get a couple more thoughts for you guys. What are your thoughts on Jake Paul's fights?
1: Oh, uh, well, here's the thing about when I when people talk about that. I will say that he's not like, I'll, could I say his rigged? It could be, but to be honest, I feel like, like Anderson Silva, I highly doubt the person that he is would sell out like that, but I mean, when you got millions of dollars in your face and you say just take a hit, maybe you might.
2: That's what I think, too. But one of the biggest individuals I look up to in podcasting, Joe Rogan, and I mean, he's been watching fights for 20 plus, 30 Mm -hmm. plus years, and I don't know, maybe Jake sent him a million, too, just to say my (laughs) fights are legit. I don't, I have no idea, but I'm not saying Jake Paul doesn't look like a legitimate fighter, yeah. Mm-hmm. He looks like he can flow. He looks like he's got a smooth yeah, he got, standing he game. It's got a lot better, and he's. Got, I think his coach is somebody that coached. I don't know who. It was a, a professional boxing uh, coach. Yeah, he, like I mean, a
0: legitimate, credible coach. This is the thing with him, man. The dude can fucking fight. It doesn't matter. Like if and, and exactly what Rogan says, if, if you didn't know who Jake Paul was and you just saw him as the boxer who was knocking out old UFC vets, yeah. you would think this dude's a badass. Like the kid can fucking fight. And... The team that he has behind him is extremely smart on how they're planning them going through this, right? Like, if you look at the people he's fought, it makes perfect sense. Ben Askren can't fucking box an amputee. Yeah. He would lose that match, right? Yeah. And Tyron Woodley has had a spotty career. Like, he he's, he's failed to pull the trigger his entire career on times. Another smart fight. Anderson Silva, a guy who has never been known for one punch knockout power in his career. It's always been cumulative, it's always been Muay Thai based. Yeah. He has knockouts with his hands, but it's never been like, oh, Anderson's gonna box your face off. Yeah. Smart move, right? That's a smart move to box. A because Anderson is such a big name that if you get a win over him, they're like, damn, Jake's legit. Yeah. And you know that you're probably not gonna get slept slept. Yeah. Right. So it's smart. Like he's got the team that he has working behind him, is picking the right fights for him. They're taking the right opportunities to cash in. It's, it's really, like, it's interesting to watch it happen. We talk about marketability. How's he that's do against the, a
2: professional boxer, though? Like,
1: how's he do against a Javante Davis?
0: Oh, uh, he gets smoked.
1: Yeah. He gets oh, smoked. Definitely. But that's not what he is, right? Yeah, I think you, you have to look at it like, like he's trying to live a rocky story. Yeah. Like he, he is a guy that has a lot of money. He, so think of him as an amateur fighting a bunch of, like, scrubs throughout his whole process because yeah, he can't put him there with a killer because yeah. he's going to get murdered. Yeah. So but so what he does is they, like you say, they strategically put him against fighters that are well-known to build up his his brand. It's kind of like rolling with, like, you ever rolled with a
2: black belt that's, like, in their 60s, 70s, you know what I mean, yeah, like yeah, an old yeah. black belt? It's yeah. like they're not – beat. it's not that they're not a black belt. Yeah. They're still a black belt. It's mm. just – they're not going to beat you. Right, right. You know right, what right, I mean? They're older, yeah. they're older, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, they got the technique and everything, but it's like my, like, I rolled the black belt uh maybe a month ago, and I, I did, like, it was like rolling with a girl. You know what I mean? This mm-hmm. dude, k- kudos to him. He had to have been in his, like, 70s. Yeah. You know what I mean? Still on the mats and everything. But this dude's, you know what I mean, probably 160 pounds, 80 years old, 75 years right, old. Right. Sweet-ass old dude. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. lo- loads of wisdom. And, uh, but it's like, I'm thinking of him, like, you know, like, how. Kind of like with Anderson Silva, it's like this dude's fifty years old, but I still feel like Anderson Silva would fuck somebody up, and it's like full everything goes.
0: Hell yeah, like bro. Jake Paul,
2: like they getting a UFC ring. Nah, that they would doesn't knock turn him out. Yeah, and these,
0: and yeah. submissions and all that shit comes to play. You know, but, when
2: Anderson Silva
1: got the tie clinches, yeah. Oh my God, that was lights like out. Yeah, I just think right now, like a lot of people, like I talked to a lot of fighters about it, and they say, you know, I they don't like Jake Paul, and he's not a real boxer, and I tell them like that. I think. A lot of people like uh, it's funny because David Goggins on a podcast with Joe Rogan, he made this quote saying, you know, he was like, a lot of uh, you'll never meet a hater that's doing better than you. you yeah, know? yeah. And I tell fighters, I say, don't be upset because this kid figured out how to market himself and make money more. Fight, he had more like what yeah. four, or six fights, and yeah. he's making he made sixty million dollars. Honestly,
2: it's beneficial to fighters because he'll bring attention yeah. to different areas or different like fighting groups that haven't been heard of right? and they wouldn't have made the money without Jake Paul. Yeah, like,
1: like now you're seeing a lot of fighters in, like like not even fighters you see celebrities starting to get in boxing matches yeah. now because they're starting to see that there's a bigger demographic going towards that sport because these YouTubers are making a lot of money fighting each other. Yeah. Right. Right. And I get it like a lot of these fighters it's the, it's the <coughs> culture of it and like they don't respect the culture they don't respect the sport yeah. I get it I understand <clears throat> it but you also have to look at it it's, it's a business. Yep. You know, take your pride out, take your pride, leave it at the door. You know, I get you're a great fighter and you can probably beat the shit out of Jake Paul, but you'll never get that opportunity because you're not marketable.
2: Yeah. Enough. Nobody knows you.
1: It nobody knows you. Now, if you were putting out numbers and views and you was on Jake Paul's radar, yeah, get that money. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to see him and Andrew Tate fight in a kickboxing match. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 in kickboxing, he's Tate's gonna fucking yeah,
1: up. yeah. In a boxing match, I just think Jake thing is Jake is young. He does have knockout power. Yeah. He he has a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, he does. He 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 wants to prove to the world that I'm not like, yeah, I was this kid back then on YouTube, Disney doing stupid stuff. But he definitely has a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Like, he a dog. Yeah. yeah. And he just and he just continued to push that envelope. And he's smart. He's like, no, I'm not gonna fight, you know, uh, Devon Haley or fucking Ryan Garcia. I'm not gonna fight these type of kids because they will fuck me up.
0: And the second he loses, it all goes away. Yeah, yeah. No yeah. one will ever watch by it again. Professional,
1: like I mean, the only boxer I know that he could have beat was Tommy Fury. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he be, he yeah. wins that. Fight. I think he, uh, I definitely believe he won that fight. Tommy Fury is not like his family. Yeah, I don't even know who the fuck Tommy Fury is. Yeah. He's, he's a, Tyson, a, Tyson
0: Fury's brother. He's a yeah. he's a
1: he's a pretty boy, uh, like reality TV show type of guy.
0: Yeah, that wasn't guy. he on like uh, one of those Netflix yeah, shows? Yeah,
1: he was on one, one of those, those shows. dating <coughs> shows. <coughs> he, bro, even his family said, if you lose against Jake Paul, you can't he's use our so name. Over. Yeah. How <laughs> much confidence do you have after your brother just told you? That? Oh man, <laughs> I mean, you go like like, hey man, if you lose this fight against the scrub, you can't use our name. His Life.
0: brother's a freak too. Yeah, Tyson. Uh, Tyson Fury's a freak. Insane bro. to be that big and move yeah. that quick. We'll never see that again. No, or we'll it'd be a long time. Here. We won't yeah. be here. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fuck yeah.
2: What's up with Usada and uh, Conor McGregor? How do he uh, How do he go from McGregor to Mick Hulk?
0: Well, I think he's <laughs> he's doing a smart thing, and he's doing a similar thing. Like uh, there was a bunch of headlines that just came out saying that T.J. Dillashaw <laughs> retired, mm-hmm. and I think they did. They just did the same thing. <laughs> is they leave the USADA testing pool, right? They say they're retired or they're taking an extended amount of time off. They juice to the gills. And then by the time they enter the USADA testing pool again, the steroids are out of their system. So they're yeah. not going to test positive. So like when you retire, you get automatically removed from USADA. That's what happened to Sahudo too. Mm. You retire, you claim you're retiring, you get removed. Then you don't get tested. You take any steroid or whatever. TRT, whatever you want to take yeah. to fix your body up, <coughs> and then you get back in the mix when it's out of your system and you're ready to go. And I think that's what a lot of these guys are doing. Connor, bro, Connor would probably, I'd be surprised. Maybe one more fight. That's what yeah, I would give it. I feel like maybe that's one it. more. I mean, he's acting. He's in fucking Roadhouse. Like he's doing all this shit. You don't. He again, he need a
1: fight. He's on yachts having parties. Right. Yeah. Back
0: to that Hagler quote, bro. Like it's hard. Hard. It's hard to get up and run when you're in satin sheets. Yep. It's hard to get up and do training camp is not fucking fun right like this preparing for a fight is not fucking fun fighting isn't even that fucking fun yeah right the reason i do it i'm purely self-motivated i like to fucking suffer i like to get in there and endure that's what i like to do yes and i know that the 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 easiest way for me or the best way for me to like get as much shit and travel through as much pain as possible is to prepare for a fight, you yeah. Know, fight camp, all that shit. It's it's hard. It's hard fucking work. You mentioned David Goggins. I'm obsessed with David Goggins. Yes. Dude. I've read both of his books. Like, his other book just came out. I just finished it. The first one I read like ten times. Not finished. Yeah, never finished, bro. And he, like, he's got so much fucking gold in there. And uh, people see him talk and they think it's just the alpha male guy who's who's talking about. Yeah, no, he's a real. You know, a real being dude. the fucking being a dog and pushing forward. No, man, he's got. Fucking gold in those books. I I've taken so much shit from him and applied it to this camp. where it's it's just it's changed the way that I think about everything in life.
2: Imagine rolling with him. Fuck, bro. He'd be like, uh, imagine running with him. What's his, what's his face that like doesn't tap? What's what's the dude's name? He went with Oliver and let him yeah. just yank on his heel. Like oh, yank uh, his Tony Ferguson. Tony Tony yeah, Tony Ford, Ferguson. Yeah. Yeah
0: that's the thing that'd like, be
2: like that'd be like Goggins just we like, gotta just,
0: hope that Goggins doesn't get into jiu-jitsu yeah or else we're all fucked
2: yeah <laughs> and he, he barely has knees. yeah he doesn't even have um, many let's wrap up with future vision you know what I mean where do you both see yourself 5-10 years from now what's the goal what's the vision
0: well um, we got this documentary coming out right so we're gonna see where that that kind of takes us and where that lands us in terms of of putting ourselves out there right we talked earlier about, about getting yourself out there and then putting yourself in a position to be marketable um with within five years i'd like to be i'm going to be in a big show yes bellator ufc whatever's coming around i'm going to be there uh wherever the opportunities are i'm taking them uh i don't have a plan b and i don't plan on doing anything else but fucking getting after it on the fighting or jiu-jitsu scene for the next five years 10 years i'd like to own a gym i'd like to be done fighting and own a gym but for right now, I'm solely f- focused on my professional and athletic career, and I'm just gonna be fucking hyper focused on achieving goals, seeing how far I can get in the in athletically, and then when it's all said and done, I could lay it out on the table and say, all right, I'm ready to open a gym now. Yeah, love it. What about you, Angelo?
1: For me, is to continue helping fighters like Tyler. Yeah. Um, really get more invested into that market and the industry because I truly love it. Yeah. So five years from now is to actually have my own, like, agency helping fighters start up their businesses, start up their brands, make them it, make it more marketable, be able to have a facility for them not only to be there to train at. And then 10 years out of line, I want to start my own promotions. Yeah. I want. To, I love, I, I think the whole, I tell Tyler and Tom, I think you guys are modern-day gladiators. Yeah. And I truly love the sport. I'm actually encouraged to start doing jiu-jitsu myself. Yeah. And I want to compete. I feel like if you don't compete you don't know you don't know yourself yeah Yeah. i tried at least
0: once yeah so
1: yeah most definitely i want to be that resource for like if someone's like like i said there's no blueprint there's no college yeah there's no draft for fighters it's like so i want to be that resource for those people that like man i want to i want to fight yeah and i want them to know like i want to go to angelo's facility his agency his gyms to like you know you never know what me and Tyler partner up. I, I, I help. He, he trains them. I manage them. Yeah. we put them in, in a spot. We got promotions. That's yeah. the goal in life.
0: You jump in, too. Adversity Kings Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> AK,
1: AK Jiu-Jitsu. Sounds kind of scary. AK-47 Jiu-Jitsu yeah. or something. Yeah, let's fucking go. All right. Well, where can people find you guys? Um, on Instagram at Angelo Mar Amp Visuals.
0: For me, Funky Bones Jones on Instagram. And then, uh, like we talked about, probably, like, what, April? You mm-hmm. would say uh, documentaries coming out, I'm Only Human, following um, just my story as a fighter, uh, fight camp. You know, we, we've talked to my, my parents, my girlfriend, my coaches, a very in-depth interview by, um, by Angelo and, and Sonic Productions with uh, Andy Adamas. let um, Yeah, it's going to be a huge project. Yeah, you can so follow that account.
1: It's called uh, I'm Only Human movie. Let's go. Let's go.
2: Well, this was fire. Make sure you guys stay tuned, and uh, thank you for watching another episode of Adversity Kings. If you like it, please share, subscribe. Check these guys out. They brought a lot of value today. This was fun.